0: thank you for listening to the bjj brick podcast we'll be bringing you brazilian jiu-jitsu and good times we hope to flatten your jiu-jitsu learning curve help you get the most out of your grappling ability and meet your goals both on and off the mat
1: welcome back my friends to the bjj brick podcast this is episode 339 my name is Byron. I'm here with my good buddies, Joe and Gary. Guys, we have a great guest this week. Jess Munter is back on the show. It's been a little while. Uh, she returns. Uh, if you don't know who Jess is, uh, go, go find her on social media. We'll put links in the show notes. But uh, she's a very inspirational person and uh, just a great person to, to keep track of and, and to cheer on and, and, to, and to watch her do what she does. She had a brachial plexus injury uh, during birth, so the doctor... I don't know how to, how to say this. Doctor injured her as she was being born, and she has uh, basic, basically, from what I know of, uh, no use or almost no use of her left arm, and uh, and she can give you better details than that. Uh, she was she appeared in episode two hundred and twenty as well, and uh, she she that episode we talked more about what got her into it and and more about. Her her other sports that she had tried, she wanted to find a sport, and she she tried some sports, and and none of them really fit for. Her. And eventually, I think in college, she found jujitsu, and uh, and and really listened to her talk about her coaches. And, and it, it's, it's part what Jesus is and part how her coaches are and that combination. It clicked for her. She's competed uh, around the world and uh, done very well in adaptive athlete competitions and also in, in just regular competitions against able-bodied athletes. Um, she gets out there and does it. So uh, great interview. Really excited to have Jess back on the show. Uh, yeah, we love you, Jess, and, and thanks for hopping back on here with us. But, guys, I want to start the show off. Uh, with a quote, I saw this. And I'm like, man, this is gonna be great for Gary <laughs> and Joe. And the quote is, uh, "The older I grow, the more I distrust the familiar doctrine that br- that age brings wisdom." I-, I saw that. I was like, man, that can be true. What do you guys feel about hearing that age doesn't necessarily always bring wisdom? Do you guys, do you guys think I- that's true?
0: The older I get, the more I realize I don't know crap. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got nothing figured out.
2: I disagree. Um, I do think as I've gotten older, I have gotten smarter. Um, you know, it's just more time. Um, yeah. It's like time on the mat, but this is time in real life. I, I've learned some stuff. I think as I've got a little bit older and the Internet has come alive, I I research stuff more. Um which I never did when I was younger. I guess maybe my mind is a little curious, probably because it's going and failing. Um, you know, but just the other day, I went to see the movie 1917. Uh, good movie. Uh, I give it two thumbs up in case anybody wants to know my Siskel and Ebert rating. Nice. But, um, you know, it was a World War One movie and, you know, talking about fighting in trenches. And, you know, I would have watched this 15 years ago and I would have watched the movie and said, hey, it's great. But this time I watched the movie, I come home, I Google the area kind of where it happened. I wanted to see a map. And then I was curious about, you know, trench warfare. Um, You know, I haven't really ever seen much on it. And, you know, that was a big trench warfare. So I I started reading a bunch of stuff about trench warfare. So I I do think as I've got older, I I am more curious. Um, I Research stuff more. Um, I do think I am wiser. Um, just like I think I'm, I may be slower on the mat, um, but I do think that my technique uh, is much better. You know, maybe a little bit wiser there too. Gary, if you want to learn more about uh, trench, trench warfare, uh,
1: the book I recommend is Eleventh Month, Eleventh Hour, Eleventh Eleventh Day, Eleventh Hour. Uh, it's a very well written book. Fairly, I think it's uh, early two thousands. And uh, it's it's the best book I've re- read on World War One. So if you want to dive a little deeper okay. in that, go for perfect. that. Um, and that's I like it. I, referring
2: to Armistice Day. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Uh, I do need do need a new book to read. It's, so it's I kind of graphic. Sort <laughs> <yep. Those laughs> no, kind of like,
1: but it's like that's what that warfare was. It was it was horrible. <laughs> not that any warfare is not great, but like you're just going to die of a gas attack, or you know you get infection in your foot, and you know, like just just crazy. Yeah miserable play i'm alive. anyway with the quote i saw this and i think you're both right sometimes you, you you like if you just start in jiu-jitsu you're like as you start to learn something i talked to a white boy yesterday who had been training for six months he's like i don't know anything like like you you, you learn a little bit you're like yeah i get the hang of this and after a while you learn there's a ton of to this and it's kind of intimidating and you realize that they like joe was saying you don't know anything and i still feel that all the time about certain positions or certain techniques or like I'm pretty green to some things. I think most people who don't, who, who, who are, I mean, that's, that's reality. Most of us are green in certain areas of, of jujitsu, even if you've trained 20 years. Um, Gary's right on too. I think what, what Gary is really expressing is his curiosity has, uh, about the world around him has peaked and he's gotten new tools to find it. Uh, when I saw this quote, I, I thought of a, an old quote, I think it was, uh, from firefighting but it might have been from jujitsu or from something else in general but two people are are at the 10-year mark in their career or maybe on the mats and 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 one of them is doing a lot better than the other one and, and and they're talking to the supervisors and and the supervisor basically said you have 10 years of experience to the one that's doing well and the other one he looks at him. And he's like you have one year of experience 10 times like you just Keep making the same mistakes. You you don't uh, change. You're not trying to grow and develop yourself. So you're getting older. You're 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 getting that time, but due to your own stubbornness or lack of desire to grow, you're not necessarily bringing wisdom to yourself. And and I think that we can all look at jujitsu and think the same thing. Uh, if we're not trying to grow and get a little bit better at something, constantly, you might experience one of those years that it yeah it's a year on the mat. Did you grow or move any anywhere, you know, as far as your jiu-jitsu abilities? Maybe not.
0: Yeah, this uh, quote actually I see is kind of being a warning because it's, it's great. Uh, guys like Gary, they're old, they're smart, they're curious. Um, but you can't take it for granted necessarily that everybody that's been on the mats for 10 or 12 years has put in the same work. I like that, Byron, what you said about uh, – having 10 years of experience versus uh, one year of experience 10 times. So I think that's kind of the warning here is not to automatically associate age or time on the mat with uh, wisdom. I remember uh, one guy talking about being intimidated by dudes with cauliflower ears and scar tissue over their eyebrows and, and busted up nose and like, man, that guy must be a really good fighter. Well, it could be that that guy really likes to fight, and he's not very good at it. And that, that's why he's all busted up. So I, I see a kind of a warning in here. And, and I also uh, agree with the fact that, uh, and this is kind of what I was getting at, is you kind of got to get to a point where you realize you still have a lot to learn. Yeah. And I think you get to that point first, and, and then that leads to uh, where Gary's at right now. And I love that curiosity, and, and not just being curious, curious but... Following through with some research.
2: Well, you know what I think. You know, as we get older, what I would like to say is, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah.
1: We can get, yeah, put it on ice. old timers.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, the, the podcast has not hit that mark. We've always been a little bit older than most juice podcasts, but uh, we're. I forgot what I was going to say about that. It was
2: going to be good, though, guys. <laughs> Byron, you're the young pup. You're only in your forties. I'm forty, Gary.
1: <laughs> I'm holding on to that. You're, <laughs> you're only forty. Can you believe it? As as bad as I look,
2: man. Man, I'd love to get back to forty before we had cars. <laughs> <laughs> well, that reminds me. You know, getting back to before we had cars. Uh,
1: you know, Gary. With the invention of cars, we needed a way to sell cars, and people needed to buy them. People often get loans to buy the cars, and you get a guy who's a loan officer and part-time repo guy, and and that would have been Gary back in his forties,
2: maybe thirties, maybe thirties, forties, yeah, yeah. But hey, I got an off-the-mat lesson about a repo, and I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I was going to try to bring some uh, repo lessons uh, that I learned in. So this one, I wasn't actually going to repo, but I was going to go make some contact with a debtor and find out what was going on, uh, not returning phone calls. And, uh, and actually, this was not my uh, loan. This was uh, a lady that I worked with, who and, and I would never let the ladies go out and knock on people's doors. Uh, you know, uh, safety reasons, I thought, you know, maybe me with my guard pulling technique, I would be a little bit safer than the average female. Um. So uh, she tells me, and I don't remember the date, but let's say it's a Monday. She tells me, hey, this guy, he's not paying. I can't get a hold of him. You know, we need to make contact with him and find out what's going on. So she prints out his address, and uh, I tell her I'm going out on, let's say, Thursday. I was going to go knock on some doors. So she gives it to me on Monday, and uh, I say <laughs> I'm going to – nah, not that way, Byron. <laughs> Sorry. But, Yeah, so uh, she writes down the address for me and the debtor's name for me to go check it out on Thursday or on Wednesday. So Wednesday rolls around, and I've got a pile of names and addresses I'm going to go check out. And and hers, you know, I put first on the list. I drive to a not-so-great section of town, uh, pull up out front, and uh, go knock on the door. Awesome. Awesome the guy actually answered which rarely happens you can see him inside you know i'd like to pe- i'll peek in the windows if nobody answers uh, you know i'll go talk to the neighbor stuff like that but on uh, this one uh he answered and boy did he answer uh this guy comes out on the porch and he seemed like a very nice fellow he was probably a good six foot six probably 300 pounds and all muscle and uh Right off the bat, I was a little intimidated, uh, but so then I started asking him how come he hasn't paid, what's going on, and and then all of a sudden, he gets mad. He proceeds to tell me he paid yesterday, and uh, I personally do not believe him, and I'm basically calling him a liar. And the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking, I am going to get beat up badly. Um, This was the day before cell phones, so... uh, I couldn't just pick up a cell phone and call. Um, so, you know, I'm proceeding to tell him I don't think he paid and this and that. And he's swearing he paid. And now he thinks somebody just pocketed his money, took his money and just put it in their pocket. And this guy is steaming. And uh, so finally, it seems like it's getting ready to come to blows. So I, I back off uh, because I didn't want to have to pull guard and hurt the guy. Uh, actually, he would have killed me. Uh. So, you know, I finish up the rest of my door knocking uh, afternoon and uh, go back to the office. And uh, I talk to this lady and uh, I say, hey, Jeannie, he told me he paid. Jeannie looks him up and he's like, oh, yeah, he paid yesterday. He was <laughs> here. And man was IPO'd. Um, you know, I almost got beat up. Um, you know, I was mad that she didn't tell me. But what I want to talk about the life lesson here is. uh you know we got to do our homework uh we got to be prepared uh, we got to be a boy scout you know like byron 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 you know he spent a lot of time in the boy scouts and then became a scout leader and for some reason uh they haven't byron hasn't really said why but they don't allow him to be a scout leader anymore but we'll talk about that some other time but you know i look at it uh you know bringing this back on the mat is you know always be prepared uh you know let's say you got a tournament coming up uh that you getting. you wake up in the morning you're getting ready to go to the tournament you're getting ready to go to practice uh, you just came home from work you know check your gym bag uh, make sure you have your gi make sure you have a mouthpiece if you use one uh make sure you have gi pants make sure you have uh, uh all the stuff you need some defense soap defense wipes uh, for after practice and uh you know, you, you always have to be prepared. I, how So many of us have shown up to class, we forget a gi, uh, we forget our mouthpiece, and we end up losing a chiclet, uh, stuff we don't want to do. Um, but, you know, the good thing about forgetting a gi, normally there's extra gis. Uh, you know, I've actually rolled in people's no-gi shorts uh, who brought extra ones. Um, but you can't always count on that, uh, people bringing extra. I know Joe does. Uh, Joe's a good uh, Boy Scout. But, um, you know, I, at first I, I put all the blame on, on Jeannie for not telling me or not, she took the guy's payment, but she didn't tell me. Um, but you know, I have to, there's a lot of blame for myself too, you know? So if I'm going to go out and I'm going to, uh, ask people for payments and find out what's going wrong, I need to check those before I go. Especially if, you know, I got this, uh, note to a couple days earlier to go uh, knock on this person's door. So, um, you know, I need to do some research myself, just double check. And, uh, what could happen if you don't double check for me, I could have got beat up pretty bad, uh, for you going to a tournament and you don't have a gi, you may have to, uh, you may be disqualified. You may not even be able to compete. You go to class, you may have to sit on the sidelines if nobody has anything. So, uh, um, you know, be prepared, be a boy scout.
0: You know, Gary, I, I love that life lesson. And uh, I think something you skimmed over a little bit there I think is really important is the taking personal responsibility. Yes. Like you said, you could just, just keep blaming Jeannie. And, I mean, she took the dude's money, and she knew you were going to knock on doors. So it would have been nice if she told you, but you took responsibility for it. And I kind of look at your jiu journey. By the time you get four or five years in, you start to become more and more responsible for your own progress. And Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you can't say, uh, "Well, I don't really have any takedowns because my school doesn't do them very often," or, or "or I can't make it in on takedown day or whatever." Uh, man, take private lesson. There's uh, get together with your training partners and, and do some drill and uh, buy an instructional. It becomes more and more your own responsibility. So, I think that was a key point, Gary.
2: Joe, I love it. I, now I'm almost wishing that's what I made the life lesson. Um,
0: well, but, well you, you, you did. It's teamwork, yeah, buddy. I yeah, got you back. Yeah, I, I love that.
2: Literally. <laughs> but, um, you know, I hate to say it, and I'm not joking this time. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> hey, Gary. <laughs> doing, I really You're did. doing
1: great, Gary. We appreciate you yeah. uh, being on here, man. <laughs> We're going to have to ask you to take a break. <laughs> I
2: really did have something
1: good. I was getting ready to say it. Jeez. The, the the whole this whole thing is interesting, Gary, in the in the way that that it happened, and I like how you bring it onto the mat as well. But I'm thinking of how how I get ready for Jiu-Jitsu. and, and it's, I think it's better to just have a system. Like I have my gym bag; I, it has a place in my house. I put my gym bag. I wash my my gi or my shorts or wherever I have, and then it when it dries, I put it back in the gym bag. If I'm going to go train, like I. It, it, let's just say you're going to work all day. Like maybe that gym bag ends up in your in your car or in your trunk, whatever, the night before, so it's ready to go. Or maybe um, it's it's the thing you do in the morning to get it ready. But like, just have a system that you kind of stick to. It'll eliminate most of these things about forgetting your gi. Or I mean, I know people miss class because you're sitting there at work, and maybe home's an hour away, the gym's ten minutes away, or something like that. And you don't, you can't go home and get your stuff and make it to the I've gym in that. time. That's too bad, man. That sucks. But uh, and and same thing with with this thing uh, with the with the person. Maybe the system should have been something like sit down, make phone calls before you go to somebody's house, or make or maybe just check on the paperwork or it probably was paperwork at the time, not computer work. Uh, you know, look at the file in the file cabinet and uh, and, and see if if they've they're up to date and then take that person out and that also save you time. I mean it takes maybe it take a few minutes to do this, but yeah. maybe it saves you an hour of driving to not have to go to a couple of houses and get beat up.
2: <laughs> Byron, you should have been my boss and, and had those uh safeguards in check. But Joe, hey, I remembered what I was gonna say. Just <laughs> uh, distract him a little <laughs> bit know, more
1: and then they'll yeah. forget again.
2: Yeah. Joe, you were talking about personal responsibility and, you know, I'm going to go back to uh, our quote of the week and Byron was talking about the guy who has 10 years of experience and the guy who has one year experience 10 times. Did that guy, you know, who had one year of experience 10 times, he didn't really take as much responsibility of his own personal jujitsu journey the growth uh you know he just probably went through the motions and uh that's why he's there he wasn't curious he wasn't you know as joe said uh just because my school starts from their knees and doesn't do takedowns doesn't mean i can't learn takedowns you know joe made a good point i can do you know buy some dvds and learn i can watch some youtube videos and learn i can go to another school and cross train so uh you know that person who has a 10 years experience took personal responsibility and, and the other person, uh, in my opinion, did not.
1: Man, good life lesson, Gary. And, uh, most of your life lessons here are, are, are ne- you also nearly getting beat up,
2: which is, <laughs> yeah, which but is did interesting. Did you see how I, did you see how I hinted from a, for a life lesson in the future? Cause we can talk about yeah. your, your Boy Scout leaderness. Yeah. And when you get, for some reason, uh, you know, they took away your stripes, and uh, you don't get to do it anymore. So uh, we just, I think a lot of the listeners would like to uh, know what happened. There, I also would we'll like
0: to know what happened. Coincidentally, Byron's no longer allowed within 500 feet I an mean, elementary <laughs> school.
2: <laughs> the, the bad thing is Byron actually had to change the jiu-jitsu academies after this because his his academy was like 300 yards from a school. Oh, man. So for some reason, he had to go somewhere else. For some reason.
1: Gary will let us all know in the future date.
2: You know, that would actually be a good jujitsu prank. Like, you know, if we ever started like a prank video or, you know, we could have somebody go into a jujitsu academy, talk to the instructor and, you know, say, hey, I've never done this before. I'm looking to try. You know, I haven't been around for the last three to five years. And then, uh, you know, after... You know, the guy sells you. Say, "Hey, can you tell me how many yards is the closest to uh, elementary <laughs> school?" <laughs> you know, that, that's pre-
1: that's pretty good, Gary. And that person would be like looking to start jujitsu, and uh, yeah. that's chapter one of the of the your first year of BJJ audio um, is is finding the right gym for you, and that's Ooh. going in there, knocking on a few doors, making a few phone calls, and seeing what gym is going to fit. Your needs. Are you Are you somebody who wants to, uh, you know, maybe compete? Are you somebody who wants to do this as a hobby? Do you already know a few people that train, and you want to train with those people? All these things are factors in finding the right gym for you. And uh, this book, it's an audio book. It's two and a half hours long. It's eleven ninety nine. It's only eleven ninety nine. I'll throw that in there. How about that, Gary, for salesmanship? Man, what a price! <laughs> and uh, it, it's going to walk you through everything from finding your first. Uh, gym or finding the, the right gym for you all the way to competing. And so if you're somewhere in that range, um, you know, even if you've been on the mat for nine months, uh, it, somewhere in that range you'll fit and, and you'll find some interesting information I hope to, that you'd benefit from. And that's really the goal of it is to get you through that first year successful, and uh in with a smile and, and continue on strong in your second year because that first year is very difficult in jiu so check it out there's a link to the bjj brick shop in the show notes where you can just type in uh bjj brick shop in google or whatever it'll pull up pretty easily and uh and check out the book there it's a it's a digital download my friends and you can listen to it basically anywhere you go that has digital things
0: like if you have your phone with you yeah. gary and if you- 11 bucks at once is a little too steep for you. Contact buyer and separately to set up a payment plan for 11 payments of one dollar each,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you save 99 cents. <laughs> there you go,
0: and you'll get it just in time for your last month of your first year in BJJ. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: you point out an immediate flaw with that plan, but yes, that, that would happen. <laughs> Uh, we, we, we are business masterminds here on the BJJ Brick Podcast. That, that's for sure. But uh, anyway, guys, I think it's time to roll interview with Jess Munter. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring you back to the BJJ Brick Podcast. Jess Munter. Jess, welcome back to the show.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: It's been a little over two years since we've had you on the podcast, and you have been busy. You've, you've done a lot of things uh, on the mats and off the mats as well. Um, But let's just say somebody hadn't heard the episode that you were on previous. Can you just kind of introduce yourself to the audience for me, please?
3: Of course. My name is Jessica Munter. I'm 22 years old. I am a brand new Preble Belt uh, through Bellingham BJJ here in Bellingham, Washington. Um, I'm going to school full time at Western Washington University studying psychology, hopefully to go into uh, counseling.
1: What got you into training?
3: I got into training... Uh, for self-defense i wanted to learn how to protect myself and so one day i saw there was a jiu-jitsu seminar going on at the community college i was going Or there's a self-defense seminar going on at the community college i was going to and i signed up and uh long story short after that day um they invited me to go to jiu-jitsu the next day and i went and i was stuck ever since you can listen to uh the first podcast that we did for that story
1: (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the story is well on there, but really you felt like you were, uh, the, the, the coaches made you very welcome and you really, for some reason or another, you really keyed into jiu-jitsu and you picked it up rather well.
3: Yes, yes I did.
1: Why do you think that's the case?
3: I don't know. Um, I mean, my family has a history of martial arts. You know, my uncle does Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo. I have another uncle that does cage fighting. My sister does boxing. It's kind of in the family. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the family to do some sort of martial arts. Um, I just never thought I would be able to do a martial art because of my disability. Um, I, I should have done that in my introduction. I have Herb's Palsy. Uh, resulting from a radial plexus injury, meaning I my left arm basically has paralysis. So I can't use it. Um, but I, I just thought that I was never able to do anything. And then when I found out that I was doing jiu-jitsu at this self-defense seminar, I started to realize, wow, maybe I can do this. And so when I was invited back um, and I found out that I can modify and adapt different techniques to do the same outcome, it was really rewarding. And so it just made me feel good. And so I kept going back.
1: Yeah, and and you talk about your your injury. That basically happened at birth, correct?
3: Yes. When I was being born, the doctor delivering me pulled my head out too far to the right-hand side, breaking three of the four brachial nerves that go under your clavicle bone. And so I did a nerve transplant, and they got some of the nerves working so I can lift my arm and so that it can grow a little bit. But other than that, I have no movements in my wrist or my fingers or in my arm.
1: So could you, could you tell us a little bit about maybe your grappling style and maybe start with you as a white belt, trying to figure things out, what was maybe one of your first techniques that you really liked or gravitated towards, and then maybe something that you really enjoy doing, um, uh, when you were, you know, kind of that white belt to blue belt range and, and, and developing your own jujitsu.
3: Yeah, for sure. So when I was a white belt, um, I was really scrambling to, uh, catch up to the rest of the team that I was with, um. You know, I started out at Imperial Jets in the of Washington. That's in eastern Washington. But um, one move that I really liked as a white belt was the triangle choke. Um, and I actually still really love the triangle choke to this day. Um, I love that there's so many different variations that you can do from the triangle position. But when I was a white belt, that was the first thing that really stuck to me, um, doing the a defensive guard pull it straight into the triangle choke that just blew my head out of the water when I was a white belt. And I'm like, yes, I have a thing that I can do uh, from standing up straight into the submission. And so I just drilled it over and over and over again until the triangle choke eventually became my thing. And I think it's still my thing to this day.
1: So if, if you pull this from standing, uh, where are you grabbing? Are you grabbing their their wrists or their collar? What's the preferred grip on that?
3: I'm grabbing the same side collar, or same side sleeve. Okay. And so same side sleeve and that same foot goes on the hip and then the opposite foot swings wide. And so while you hit the floor, you can kind of pendulum yourself to kick, to thrust uh, your opposite foot to the back of the head and clamp in the triangle.
1: Cool. cool. And I know the answer to this, but I'll ask, have you competed much?
3: I have. I've <laughs> seen a lot.
1: Tell us a little bit about your, your competition experiences or maybe a couple of highlights.
3: Of course. Well, um, I competed in in Abu Dhabi for the Abu Dhabi World Pro twice since our last interview. Um, and then I've competed for the SJJIF Para Jiu-Jitsu World Championships, as well as a couple of local tournaments and a couple of IBJJF Opens.
1: Wow. Do you, do you have a favorite... Uh, tournament experience or maybe a ter- favorite match that you have had
3: yeah my favorite would have to be the Abu Dhabi experience the highlighting the first trip that I went to um the first trip I went to was the one it was uh, a couple of months after our first interview it was uh, in April of 2018 it was just a lot of fun I mean, experiencing the culture of the Middle East and as well as competing on a huge stage with all the other athletes, it was breathtaking.
1: Never had that feeling. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that sounds like a really cool thing to, to experience. Fairly early on in your jujitsu as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was just a blue belt when I went to Abu Dhabi for the first time um, and the second time. And now I'll be a purple belt going back in April. Uh, goodness. Goodness. But, goodness. Do
1: you tip, Have you, you like typically me? competed against other blue belts or do they mix up uh, divisions a little bit?
3: They do mix up divisions a little bit, um, in, especially in para tournaments. So like when I was competing in the SJJIF para jiu-jitsu tournament, there weren't any other uh, colored, colored belts. And so, or I even mean, there was other colored belts, but she was a black belt. So I had to fight a black belt. And that was, very intimidating. Very scary. Um, but I competed and I actually won. So
1: Cool. How, how did that go?
3: It went really well. <laughs> um, Sounds <laughs> it like went it. Really, yeah, it went really well. So um, because there weren't any other women registered, they had to pull in an able-bodied competitor. And so I had the choice of choosing between a 130-pound purple belt or 100, a 110-pound black belt. And I thought I would test my luck with the 110 black belt. She had to meet my disability by tying her left arm into her gi and fighting me with that. And I, I told her that I wanted a real fight. I wanted her to go for the gold. And, you know, we battled. And it was – I won, I got very lucky. I won on points. But
1: Why, why do you say it's lucky?
3: because <laughs> she was very good <laughs> she swept me once uh and i quickly got up to re- re-establish my guard pass and i was pressuring into her she turtled and i took the back and i won by four points
1: cool that sounds like an, an amazing match and uh good work there thank you You you've had an amazing journey so far in jiu-jitsu. Uh I like to hear about your some of your coaches behind you and and how they're helping you.
3: Yeah, so I've I've got three coaches. Um back home, like I'm in college, so I kinda like have this weird situation where I have two gyms that I train at. But um my my back home gym, Imperial Jits, that's Luis Alvarez, he's started me from the very beginning uh, at the self defense seminar in two thousand fifteen. And then here at Bellingham BJJ, I have Jeff Shaw and David Porter. They're excellent, excellent, wonderful gentlemen. I love them so much. They helped me out, like, immensely. Not even just at the gym, but off outside of the gym, too. They helped me out with just life stuff. But um Jeff Shaw had a private lesson with me this morning. Or, sorry, I had a private lesson with Jeff Shaw this morning. We just worked takedowns and ankle locks. Um, and it was just a whole bunch of other stuff. But it was just a great hour. And... I'm so thankful that they take the time out of their busy days to dedicate to me so I can have the proper training that I need. And they are wonderful.
1: That's cool. You say that they help you uh, off the mats. Is there anything in particular that that they do?
3: Yeah. You know, I have a lot of self-doubt in my technique game, in my jiu-jitsu game, in my life game. Um, And so it's like, I just, I'm able to confide in them kind of as like little therapists, (laughs) but they... They listen to what I have to say and they give feedback and advice according to what they have experienced in their lives. And it's wonderful.
1: Well, that's cool. And uh, Jeff's name sound, sounds a little familiar. Does he do anything else in the juice community?
3: Yeah. So he used to live in North Carolina and he was a big promoter for grappling industries out East Coast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so he trains under Seth Champ. Uh, hoist Gracie black belt at triangle, jiu jitsu. But yeah, so he runs uh, the Dirty White Belt podcast.
1: That's cool. Yeah. So
3: you,
1: you you have these these coaches that are supporting you. I'm sure your your teammates are are uh, are great to have around as well. How has jiu jitsu affected you off of the mats?
3: Honestly, it has affected me. A lot. And allow me to elaborate on a lot. It has feeded into my mentality and my mental strength. Like, you know, going to school, there's going to be a lot of challenges. Like, oh, I have to submit this paper on time. I have to uh, finish this final exam on a certain point. Or you have to study for this final exam. And it's really hard. And it, and it gets to you. But nothing's going to be harder than escaping from your coach's neon belly. <laughs> <laughs> So I really like to thank, thank Jujitsu for giving me this mental strength to battle any challenge that comes my way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that earlier. You're a full time student, and uh, and you're training and in traveling and, and doing all these things to uh, compete. Sounds like you have a lot to balance.
3: Yeah, it's a it's really hard to balance it all. And uh, actually, last. Spring. This last spring in May, after I came back from Abu Dhabi my second time, it was just so hard to balance everything that it all came crumbling down.
1: And what do you mean by that? And what was what were the things that uh, that caused that?
3: You think I had a hospitalization in May because I am bipolar type one, and after I came back from Abu Dhabi, I was trying to get caught back up with schoolwork. Um, I was trying to figure out my mental health and why i was acting so strange and i was acting manic (laughs) and uh, i can explain what manic is later but i was acting very manic and very depressed at the same time and it was very confusing and when i say all came crumbling down was i basically had a mental breakdown um you know it was hard to process everything it was hard to turn in my assignments it was just physically so hard and I couldn't go to Jiu Jitsu. Like I just felt like a failure in everything because everything just got so much harder at, all at once. And my balance, my scales, my balancing scales got tipped off so far that it came off the hinge, you know?
1: Okay. I, yeah. Um, I hear what you're saying there. And you said, could you explain a little bit more about manic?
3: Yeah. So when you're manic, Um, let's, let's look at an imaginary chart where there's a middle ground, a high ground and a low ground. Manic is the high ground. And usually when you're in that state, you're very euphoric. You believe that you're on top of the world. You might experience psychosis, which I did. And psychosis means that you have hallucinations and I was having auditory and visual hallucinations. When I was manic and I was also feeling that I had all this productivity, that basically I could do anything and seize anything, but I was also seeing and hearing things because of it. And so depressive episodes are in the low bar and bipolar kind of goes in between this high and the low, never really stopping in the middle. And a healthy brain would coast in the middle, having occasional dips into the low side. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you explained that very well. And uh, it just sounds like either you're you're on top of the world or you're you're depressed and there's there's really no in between there.
3: Mhm. And so I was experiencing mixed mixed episodes, which is when you're experiencing both of those at the same time. And it's hard to explain what that really is because it's so confusing and it's like, you should not be experiencing both at the same time yet you are.
1: Is it about certain, is it like I feel great about, uh, I don't know, my jujitsu and then awful about how school is going or is it just, uh, I, yeah, I don't really understand how, how both would work. Is it, is it something is like categories or is it just you, you feel good and bad at the same time?
3: It's just like you feel good and bad at the same time. As simply put,
1: Okay, just just as a uh uh j- just talking to everybody else that that's here, if somebody's feeling this, what should they do?
3: Get help. Um if you're feeling this, you know, go seek out a trusted friend or a mentor and explain to them as best as you possibly can what you're going through. It was really hard for me to to put down what I was feeling into into words, so I wrote a letter to my best friend Betsy O'Donovan. Um she she's a professor at Western. I was just waiting outside her office for her to finish with a student. I was just writing out everything that I was feeling. Um, Cause I had like contemplated suicide that day, like after an exam, because I was just feeling so worthless yet so happy at the same time. I was like laughing while I was writing this. It was very strange, very, very strange. And she saw my behavior and how it was so off putting, like it just wasn't my normal behavior. And so, we went to the hospital, and I was admitted to the psych ward for four days.
1: Yeah, and and so they were able to help you. It sounds like. Yes,
3: I got the I got back onto medication, and I got into therapy from there, and I got all the help that I needed. Well, oh, good.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm 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 glad that that you did that.
3: Me too. It was the best decision I've ever done. Well, good. best it, decision of my life <laughs>
1: and sometimes making something like that you know getting a friend to help you out and to, to, to do that is
3: uh, is an amazing thing mm-hmm. it can also be very hard though like it was very very hard for me to go to Betsy it took about five hours for me to just go to her office just because I was com- like contemplating like do I really want to show the side of myself to her like she doesn't know that I'm sick like she doesn't know that I have these issues, but she will like after I go to her, and so it was it was very hard. But I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad that I put myself through the fear.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad you got through that fear as well. And I th- I think it's important that we're changing uh, the way that that people view mental health or 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 mental health problems that that they're having. Uh, I just told you before we got started doing the interview, uh, you know, I just got over having pneumonia, like. Like, I in no way was worried that you would think anything about me as a person because I had pneumonia. Like, and, and but the same case, like you didn't do that to yourself. Like, like, like it's something that happened to you and you need to, to, to deal with it and you need a little bit of help doing that. It shouldn't be a thing that people are embarrassed about, but it, it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that, when did that happen?
3: This happened in May, in right May. after I got back from Abu Dhabi.
1: And so what was the re- recovery process like going on through the rest of that year?
3: So just because it happened so soon, like it happened in the same year, like not that long ago, only seven months or so. But the recovery, I took the summer off from school. Like I was originally planning on going, going to do school throughout the summer, decided to not. Um, I went to therapy every week and I adjusted medications accordingly. I tried a couple of different medications over the summer um, and I found the right dosage for what my brain needed and just hanging out with my friends, going to jujitsu to make sure that I stay active and, you know, I love jujitsu. It's always going to be a part of me, but making sure that I had time to go to jujitsu Um, every week and yeah that was my recovery
1: do you feel that sometimes your uh, performances on the mat affect your your mood as far as or your feeling of self-worth
3: yes if i'm having a bad day on the mat i definitely feel less worthy if that makes sense
1: how could we untie Um, that
3: (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of positive reinforcements um, just because you gotta like be kind to yourself and reinforce yourself and say, just because I had one bad day of jujitsu doesn't mean that my jujitsu isn't good. Like my jujitsu is there. Like I am not this one bad day on the mats. Everyone has bad days.
1: Yeah. Every, every, that That's, that's true. And <laughs> my wife goes to jujitsu some and, uh, and she, she gets. She's happy when jujitsu goes well, and then she's very frustrated when her jiu-jitsu goes poorly. I always try to just tell her sometimes how poorly it goes for me. I, I've been mm-hmm. training for uh, since two thousand and two, and I I still get out there and and I do things that are like that was a dumb idea, or or this person shouldn't have gave me a hard time, but they sure did. Or hey, I got tapped out by this guy. Can you believe it? Like that guy got me and. It's just that's part of it. Sometimes we're not rolling the way we should. Maybe I, you know, I, I roll with Jess on her, on her good day and I'm having a kind of an average day and she triangles me to <laughs> puts me to sleep. Like these things happen. And it's yeah. just like, you know, any sort of belt won't protect you in any sort of experience or, you know, how good you are. We've all, I think, had the feeling that we've tapped out somebody who was probably better than us at jujitsu. Yeah. So, uh,
3: yeah. yeah.
1: I think it is important to untie um, not even really how, how good you could be at Jiu-Jitsu, but just like definitely untie your self-worth from your performance on the mat and try to try to enjoy the process of getting better at Jiu-Jitsu.
3: Exactly. I, and I still have a hard time with this. Like I say, you know, the answer is positive reinforcement, but it's it's really hard to have that positive mindset. You know, like I still find myself beating myself up for, not being able to do certain moves because I physically can't, and it's like, why am I beating myself up for this? Like, forgive yourself and move on.
1: Yeah, that that that's the. And it, it, I know it, it it's difficult to do that sort of to to forgive yourself about things and and move on, but it's it's a better way to to, to train. It's a better way to enjoy your time on the mats, and, mm-hmm. and it's a better focus of your energy as well.
3: Yes, I agree.
1: So after that, so Abu Dhabi happened. Um, you came back. You went through some therapy. How, how was kind of that the proceeding into that year? I asked you a little bit about that already, but I don't think we got very far.
3: Proceeding into the year, just, of- just
1: continue on after um, after you seeked out some help. And so, so would you you would go to just so? Would you are you continuing going to therapy?
3: Yes. So I'm still going to therapy. I had a therapy session today. It was wonderful. Um, my therapist says hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, that's good. <laughs> therapist hi back. <laughs>
3: she's yeah, she's pretty great. Uh, we like to joke around a lot, but, um, went to therapy. Uh, but yeah, so go to jujitsu starting school back tomorrow, uh, for winter quarter. I'm on break now. Um, but last quarter, I started to feel I took I took the summer off of competing or at least I said I would take it off from competing but I didn't I competed in Portland Open in July and I took silver um, this is an able body tournament I took silver it was uh, that was really fun that was the uh, thrilling yeah
1: that's a, that's amazing
3: yeah or not my first silver but my second silver in a in a able-bodied tournament in a really big able body tournament you know So that was something exciting. And then. And that was as a blue belt, right? (laughs) Yes, this is as a blue belt. And then in November, I competed again at the Para Jiu Jitsu World Championship with the SJJIF in California. My best friend, Pete McGregor, or my other best friend, Pete McGregor, (laughs) who was there, he competed and he took us all to Disneyland, and that was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, man. (laughs) That's fun. That's nice of him.
3: I know, right? He's if
1: you're listening, I love you, man. Even if let's just look at it. Even if you didn't take silver, let's say you lost the first minute of the first match. Like, um, I'd still have you on the show. Your, your coaches would still be uh, proud of your accomplishments you've, you've done or how you've developed your game. You, You know, it's, it's odd, but, um, and I feel the same thing with other teammates. Like I'm rooting for you. I, I still feel the same about you whether you win or you lose like um you it, know let us be fans, but us being fans won't change whether you win or lose. Does that make sense yeah, it does so i I don't know i always i feel i feel um I'm never disappointed in a, in, a, in a teammate or, or somebody I'm coaching if they don't perform well or if they do perform well and still lose like it's just that's just part of it it's like man i I wish they would have won but. I I'm, I'm still uh proud of what what they've what they've become and and the experiences that they're they're getting out of jiu-jitsu. And, mm-hmm. it, and anytime you feel like you're not getting uh like you're disappointed in your jujitsu, just compare yourself to last year. And and I bet there's significant changes.
2: Oh yes.
1: So so how does uh your therapist view jujitsu? She loves it. Um she
3: encourages me to keep going back to it. She Realize she um she realizes how important it is to me yeah and in my recovery and just it's a part of my life now like I spent the past five years doing jujitsu it's kind of cool for me to realize that
1: yeah that's a and and it's a thing that that most people can't do not because they can't do it because most people mentally can't handle jujitsu yeah Mm. it's just it's it's a very difficult thing to get on the mats and to experience what we're experiencing. It's a tough, physically tough sport, mentally tough sport, and uh, most people can't handle that, and, and you're out there doing that. I, I kind of think that, that it's hard, but it's also it's good for you. And if your therapist <laughs> is, is good, it's, that's awesome.
3: Yeah. So and,
1: any chances of bringing your therapist into the mats? Or meeting, <laughs> meeting your coaches?
3: Oh, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Trust me, I'm
1: trying. <laughs> that's cool. Um, so you said you have other family that does martial arts. Do you ever get to train with them?
3: Yeah. It's, a uh, kind of funny. Uh, my uncle and I will, whenever we get together, we roll in the living room floor. Like, uh, for Christmas, we were all having dinner and then my uncle sits down on the floor and he's like, you ready, hon? I'm like, oh yes, I am. <laughs> I try to make it make it a habit to wear a sports bra every holiday, just, just in to, case
1: you got to fight yeah. the uncle. <laughs>
3: yep.
1: Oh, that's awesome! And yeah, how and long has my, he been training?
3: Uh, he's been training since he was. So he's been training judo for, let's see, I want to say twenty years. Wow! And then Jitsu for like ten years. I could be wrong on those numbers. I'm just that's a significant
1: amount of time.
3: Mhm, because he's been training judo since his early twenties, and he's now fifty. So I'm just kind of like guesstimating about that time. Cool. Um And then my cousin, my little cousin Miko, just graduated from combatives in mer- the Marine Corps. So we we wrestle a little bit as well on, on holidays.
1: That's fun. Uh, I kind of wish I had that at my uh, my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh looking forward in the future what are you thinking about uh, doing on the mats off the mats this coming year
3: I really want to do an a, a, an adaptive uh, self-defense seminar I would really like to do this with Pete um, Pete and I talked a little bit about this but I would like I really want to do a self-defense seminar adaptive based so that people in the community with various disabilities can come in and learn how to defend themselves accordingly. Like Pete McGregor, he's in a wheelchair. And so he knows a lot more about what to do when you're you're in a chair. And like, what happens if you're against the wall in a chair and you have to use your hands to fight off someone versus using them to run away? Like, how would you handle that situation? How would anyone handle that situation? So one of my goals for 2020 is to um, sit down with my instructors, a couple of my friends, and create or form this, uh, you know, reports for a self defense seminar. Oh, cool. um, so that's yeah, that's what I really want to do, as well as maybe go back to Abu Dhabi. Um, I say maybe just because I'm diving deeper into my major and the classes are getting harder, and it's getting harder to skip out of town for a week to compete. So,
1: what is your major? Psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, it, it sounds like you're going to teach a self-defense seminar. Like, I don't know what would prevent that from happening.
3: Um, basically, the only thing that I need to do is get um, my coaches involved with it, because I'm just a provost. I, I shouldn't be teaching it alone. I want to include my jiu-jitsu friends who are wheelchair users to get the most benefit out of um, the seminar. Like Pete McGregor, he, he has, I've only talked to him about this, but he's piqued a little interest. So.
1: oh, well, cool. Yeah. Is, is it, but it, the seminar would be, uh, would it be mostly geared towards just the public in general, as far as just people who aren't actually training? Yes. Well, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And you, you say, I'm just a pro belt, but you, you have, uh, a lot of experience and a, uh, A lot of knowledge to share, and it may not feel like that, but start talking jujitsu with somebody who doesn't know jujitsu, and it's pretty obvious that, like, yeah, you could talk, you could teach them, you could teach someone jujitsu for day for for who who knows how. My first instructor was a purple belt, and I had he was a purple belt for years, and I learned a ton of jujitsu through him. And uh, a purple belt knows a lot of jujitsu. you could teach other purple belts or other brown belts, you know, like your adaptive style of jujitsu. It's all stuff that is, is interesting. And, and, and I'm sure you're doing things differently than, than others. And, uh, and there's a lot to learn there. And, 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 and part of what you're teaching, I would think would be the confidence to defend yourself as well.
3: Mm-hmm. That's very true. Thank you.
1: So, yeah, to teach that, you know, just imagine if, you rewind five-ish years back and and your coach didn't teach that self-defense seminar that you didn't show up to what would have happened so you never know who you know if if a hundred people show up or two people show up it doesn't really matter it, it it's how much that person or those people are affected by what you're teaching and uh and and i would i would i would venture to say if you were the only person that showed up to that seminar uh when you were uh, back in school and, and you took that self-defense seminar, it was still worth it because of what you've be- turned your jujitsu into. Right. Thank
3: you. So
1: do that. That's a that's a goal that you could definitely accomplish and you could tremendously help somebody. So that's awesome.
3: Awesome. Thank so, you. So you're yeah. a new
1: purple belt. That's congratulations. You
3: well. Thank you.
1: And I could, you know, it sounds like uh, after going to a able-bodied uh, tournament and doing very well at the blue belt division. Um, I'm not surprised that it didn't take long to get a purple belt tied around your waist.
3: Well, thank you very much.
1: How's it feel?
3: Oh, man, it feels very intimidating, very scary. There's, like, the target on my back just grew <laughs> much bigger.
1: Did it? I, like, I, I think that's something that, that we all feel and I remember feeling that even as a black belt like oh now now people want to tap out a black belt but I don't really feel that uh, on the mats I don't really I don't really get that I think it's that's something that we we put on ourselves that even just even as you know you're you're training and you said it before with your friends like that that target isn't even there like like your your training partners and your friends want to get better jujitsu and they also want you to get better Jitsu. i don't think there's a target on anyone's back in the training room now now maybe in a tournament where there's blue belts and purple belts mixed up it, it might be a little more exciting for that blue belt to, to catch a purple belt sure <laughs> much like you had you 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 uh beat that black belt that's an amazing feeling that that you had and and even that shines you know like hey <laughs> maybe you're not a blue belt back then <laughs> yeah so that's true i think it's a normal feeling and i i know the listeners uh Feel that as well. You're like, hey, I got a target now. And my wife got a, a, a third, a second stripe on her belt, she's like, I got to. feel like I have too many stripes. <laughs> no, you don't. You wipe out with a couple stripes. Uh, just keep training. You know, it's fine. Um, it, everybody feels it at different levels, but I, I think that you're you're in a in a very healthy training environment, and if you feel like that, I think it's it's just something that. It's a normal feeling, but I don't think it's a real thing. Could you, you know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I, I get you.
1: So, well, congratulations on your on your new purple belt, and and um, you should wear it with pride and uh, I- accept your your coach's uh, vision of what they see in you as as a new purple belt, and and that they're probably dead on accurate because they know jujitsu very well. So, thank you. Well, cool. I it's I've had a blast. Uh, catching back up with you, um, I, I feel for you in some of your your tough times, but you've done some amazing things, and you you do have some some cool things coming in the future. Anything else you want to chat about, or you, you want to tell the audience?
3: Um, stay in school, kids. <laughs> <laughs> school That's, does great things.
1: How how much uh, how much more school do you have? Just that, I have that, about that,
3: a year and two quarters left.
1: Then what do you want to do?
3: Well, so that will be done with my bachelor's degree. Okay. After I get my bachelor's, I plan on going getting a cert, my certificates done to be a high school guidance counselor for a little while, and then do my grad school while I'm doing while I'm working in that field, and then after I get my master's done, go into behavioral health.
1: Wow, that's awesome, that's and you, awesome. you're you're dedicated to helping people. I mean, uh, both those both those things will be be a great help to to people. And uh, I appreciate you hopping back on here with me and, and sharing some more of your story. Um, Where's a good place to go? Somebody wants to follow you on so- social media.
3: Yeah, my in- just follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Jess Munster, like uh, the Munsters, the TV show. Yeah. Uh, underscore BJJ.
1: Cool. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I uh, can follow you there and, and keep up with your adventures. And uh, Jess, thank you so much for hopping on here with me.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Man, I really enjoyed having Jess back on the podcast and, and getting to, uh, to talk with her. She's got, um, her, her her road has has, uh, has has taken her many places, uh, you know, on the mats and off the mats. And, and, I'm, and I'm thankful she shared her story and even some of her struggles. And and I think that, that we all feel some of these struggles sometimes to different degrees. And having somebody talk about that is, is an important thing. So uh, probably not an easy thing to talk about. Yeah, uh, you know, in front of uh, an audience, but uh, I'm gl- I'm grateful she showed up on the show and, and was able to share her story with us. So uh, thank you, Jess, and you're welcome back anytime, my friend. If you think this is an interview that a uh, friend would like to hear, just tell him, tell a friend. That's the best way the show can grow, and we do appreciate growth <laughs> when it happens. Uh, so just you know, word of mouth or sharing it, uh, you know, digitally with a friend. Uh, the Beat Brick podcast. It might be a good thing to share. Not all things are good to share, Gary.
2: True. Sometimes you gotta, you know, make well, phone you know, calls ours, and. Yeah, well, you have shared ringworm with me numerous <laughs> times. You did have and ringworm I, recently, didn't you? I did. My no, I haven't
1: at... had it in a long time, Gary. Well, you're gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What, I, what Gary I'm a this sharing
2: type
1: of guy. Gary will stay off the mat, but he's over there rubbing his ringworm on all my items. My, my He's going to my gym <laughs> bag, rubbing it on this extra rash guard I have. He rubs it on my uh belt. Anything. He, Gary's just hes looking to share things. You're I'm a nice guy. It. Yeah, you're a nice guy. just like, uh well, I forgot what I was going to say about that.
2: Boy, I think we're all running into this, but Byron <laughs> a little earlier in life. It happens, I guess. We do have a
1: article from a website. Man, I've we need to look at this website all the time. A high percentage martial arts. It's it's a really a fun website, and it's a cool way to look at jujitsu. And you know, of course, I I give you caution with with any of this stuff because martial arts is an individual sport. Uh, it's a team sport, individual, whatever. But you're in charge of your own development. So if some numbers on here don't line up with what you're doing, that's okay to get to do what you're doing. But they might help you help decide what you should work on in the future, or maybe be aware of that that the community is doing. And and this article, there'll be a link in the show notes, of course. I feel like we could at some point now we could stop saying that, <laughs> but I want people to go and check it out. Uh, deep dive uh, is what, what they're doing here here's what the data says about takedowns and specifically uh they they viewed a hundred white belt matches uh and, and looked for takedowns and they found some interesting things i was a little surprised on a few things but uh guys what was your overall impression of the article
0: well it wasn't my first impression but we talked about it a little bit before the show and uh I, am i wrong or is he kind of saying that uh, given that uh, jiu-jitsu is a ground sport that it's ridiculous that uh, we're not learning good takedowns sooner you th- is that kind of what he's getting at
1: it, it seems like a, a like a thing yeah um if, you, if you... I, I
0: think i think that's it like um yeah we we go in and we start learning all these ground techniques before we have reliable ways to get the fight to the ground, I think that might be sort of an underlying message here and it's probably a pretty good message.
1: Yeah. And if you look at some of his other data, uh, we did a we reviewed an article a while back and you'll just have to go find it on his website about uh, white belt matches and what causes victories. And and almost the best way to, to get a victory in a white belt match is to score a takedown. Now we talked about that when he was he. I had him on the show. We talked about that, and it might just be the better grappler gets a, the takedown, and so of course they're going to win. It might be the top position so dominant, and the submission attacks from these white belts uh, fail at a, a very high rate. So just by getting the takedown, getting those two points off the bat. Uh, the submissions from from the white belt guard was, were pretty low, and in a guard pass is devastating at that level, or at really any level. Uh, but so, <laughs> if you're able to score a takedown, which is looking at this pretty difficult, it's a great indicator of of how the match is going to go. And I love the 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 bar graph he has. He has one of the bar graphs where each bar has two colors represented in it, and. Uh, there's orange and blue. Orange is, so like like leg trip. And then orange is uh, it would be successful takedowns at this particular takedown. And then blue is the failed takedowns. And you look at all these and some of them have a very high failure rate and some of them are a little bit closer to even. It's that's, that's a really a nice way to look at that as a visual way to say what takedowns are being effective, what takedowns are,
0: are, are not working at all
2: at that wipeout level.
0: What's a body fold?
2: I was going to ask that same question,
0: <laughs> Joe. Is is that when uh, is that when you stuff somebody else's takedown and turn it into one?
1: I I don't know what a. I guess we could Google it. a um, I, 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 I picture because <laughs> that's got hundred percent success. Yeah, but it's yeah. only a, it's, it's a low number.
2: It might be two. But
1: I would I know, picture it's hundred
0: successful. I don't. I don't I, care if it's <laughs> two out of two. I'll take it. <laughs> that, that's the one I want to work on.
2: Yeah, Joe. I'm wondering if it's like what you said. Uh, somebody changes levels. Let's say goes for a double leg, or and you basically get them in a cow catcher position and just fold them back.
0: Yeah, I yeah, or, or almost like a standing guillotine attempt, but you break them down and then catch a leg too.
2: Oh yeah. Well know. yeah, it would. It couldn't be what I was saying because these are initiating takedowns. So, body full. Oh, hey, maybe that's a, uh, uh, you get double underhooks. That's what I was thinking. And, yeah, you get double underhooks. That pressure and in the you, lower back.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: that's what it is. I'm Googling oh, it right now a, and seeing that, if I can find it. <laughs> yep.
0: That's actually that, a good takedown, yeah. yeah. It is,
2: yeah, that's what it is.
0: Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like a low, a low, uh a yeah. bear, bear hug, yeah, sleaze. low bear hug,
2: you know, right above the ass, and, and uh, then turn it into a trip. Yeah, you just, yep. you just walk forward while pushing the uh, the hips in, pushing their it. hips into you. Yeah,
0: that's actually, yeah, that's a good one. It's yeah, uh, yeah, uh, uh, undervalued, I think. Yeah,
2: it googles just fine. I I like the snap down. Snap down looks like it's got about fifty percent. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what I relied on for a long time, you know, a snap, ba- snap down to uh, go behind or, you know, if I could do a snap down, I already got a chin strap so I can start attacking uh, guillotines if I wanted to. I always had good luck. Uh, good luck there. Yeah. The, yeah. the
1: main thing looking at all these is the, the one that had better than 50, 50, better than a coin flip odds. Uh, the body fold. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Although it's it's probably too low of numbers. Sacrifice throw did pretty well as well.
2: Really yes. take down.
1: And so uh, I I think the trick on this one is a sacrifice throw is. It's almost like a guard pull with the, instead you pull a sweep. <laughs> to think of that because it it's easier to put that into a jiu-jitsu person's head. You're not doing a good a big shooting motion, you're not doing anything crazy from the guard. You are pulling guard in a manner that allows you to throw the person uh, with your legs. That's that's pretty jiu-jitsu-y. And it it looks like that it was a, was a 56% success rate. And that's the highest one other than the than the tiny Body percent fold. Other than the body fold, which it looked like two people did, maybe one person did. Gary, so that might be uh, hard to pull
2: that actual information out of that. But
0: well, the rear takedown had about a seventy-five percent.
2: Yeah, rear takedown was pretty high.
0: So that's that's that. That. Gary. Gary and I are going to focus on the rear takedown and the body fold. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, actually, actually, I am working on the rear takedown. Yeah. For, uh, I assume they're talking about like a trip and I'm gonna, I'm working on the arm drag and yeah. then that trip from the back. Yeah, that's great.
2: Because yeah. that's what you know, we talked about there last week is uh, Joe was talking about the arm drag, get to the back, get a trip or whatever else you're going to do from there. And uh, that Splits. was one thing after talking to Joe, I, I was going to do it. But me and Joe, we're kind of going to work on... Joe and I, we're data analytic people. And uh, even though our minds are going, we really love data analytics. So what we're going to do is we're going to do an arm drag to get to the back. And then once we're in the back, we're going to do a body fold. And that way we're doing a rear takedown body fold. And that should be like 200%.
0: I don't know if
1: you could body yeah, so, fold them
2: the other way.
0: Oh. So, so from there, so from there, you, you, you grasp both arms right around the navel and thrust forward with your hips and, and yeah. move forward at the same time.
2: And what we're going to do once we get in that position, we're going to do a sacrifice throw too. So yeah, we're we're taking all the good stuff and combining them into one. Well, you, you do what you do, guys. <laughs> Sounds
1: like you got a heck of a combination there, Gary. But and, and you're referring so uh, this kind of goes nicely with the BJJ by the month program uh, that we're trying here. And I didn't I I, I edited the last uh, episode or maybe two episodes ago, and we talked about it. I don't mean to tell you guys what your focus is for the month. It's just that program, like. If you want to focus on that, great. If not, work on – I know you know you guys work on different stuff. But that's what I'm going to be – my plan is each month to focus on this and experience this with the people who are in the program. Uh, and, and the program is – it's free. Check it out on, on Facebook or just on the BJ Brick page. Type in BJJ by the month,
2: and it, it'll pop up. And, uh, and this Byron, month is takedowns. I want to interrupt you real quick. Yeah, uh, When Byron said that doesn't have to be your focus, and kind of what's happened is we got – we got emails from seven different listeners who got kicked out of their academy cuz they weren't following their gym's curriculum <laughs> they were doing the bjj brick curriculum so we don't want that to happen you only got a few, you only got that many huh yeah cuz uh you know one of the guys said hey you know when my teacher said hey today we're going to work on uh, leg locks and he's like no we're not we're going to focus on takedowns and uh, that didn't end too well
1: yeah i can i can
2: see that it's
1: really just a way that if if you're if your school has a set curriculum that is more than every day a random different thing uh, that's great but if you're looking for maybe a different way to focus or make sure you cover all the bases within a year uh, that's kind of the goal is that I have with this so we started off January with uh, guard submissions or- you know attacking and developing a submission guard and now we're moving to takedowns which I think is super important you know it's just like this 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 article is saying not the highest success rate in in, in unless you use a body fold in white belt submission so yeah Gary Mr. white belt Gary <laughs> um i yeah i don't know how i
2: don't think i can get double underhooks on either one of you guys um it's a tough thing well, to accomplish joe and i we practice body fold defense how many people do that i don't know <laughs>
1: I, I don't, I would imagine if you got double hooks on me, I I would probably fold my body, <laughs> but it's a, it's a, so there's two ways to use this, uh, to look at it and say, especially at the white belt level, cause it does change as, as belts go up. Like nobody successfully landed a double
2: leg. That's Interesting. Jordan Burroughs was in one of the weight classes. Yeah,
1: put a white belt on that guy and let him have fun. <laughs> uh, but so these change obviously, and it, it. But but looking at this, you you could you could say, okay, it looks like I don't know these guys are set to body fold, or maybe the sacrifice throw is a way to pick up a a simple takedown that is pretty risk averse. Um, you know, look at that type of thing, or also you could look at what's going to be done to me. Well, the leg trip. Uh, has super high attempts and soup and and decent completion. It's the highest it's almost twenty percent of takedowns were were a leg trip. Uh and like sixty percent of uh attempted takedowns were a leg trip. So be ready for that. It's coming at you if you're gonna go out there and compete as a white belt or just even through training. That's something that the students at that level are comfortable training. They're comfortable learning it. Maybe all the instructors are, are out there teaching, hey, leg trip, here's what we're going to do. We're going to change levels, level, shoot in, trap up a leg behind there, and, and continue to press forward. That's pretty simple. Uh, and decently high, you know, uh, com- completion. Um, so there's just, you can look at it for offense or defense. it give you a little bit of help in figuring out where to go or, or what to be ready for. But this website is a valuable tool. I know they do a lot of work as far as, um, you know, we get together, we podcast, we talk about Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, they're studying, they're watching hours and, you know, 100 hundred different competition uh, matches or so, sometimes, you know, like they, did a, they did a study of 500 submissions at, you know, 100 at each level and seeing what they were like. So, man, it's just a really cool resource to have and to help guide you in your training.
0: You know, an interesting thought about this article, though. Um, the guy's gathering his data from an environment – where one or both opponents uh, due to the rule set and and other things are focused almost solely on pulling guard. He says the one reliable way to get the fight to the ground at this level is a guard pull. Wonder how much these numbers would change, what you'd see differently if it was in a rule set where you were given a disadvantage for pulling guard.
1: Yeah. That's that, that would be, it would be, I think the coaches would need to make adjustments to that. And, and need to, yeah. to how to teach your students not to start off with a, a negative point or a, a, something like that. Uh, the other thing would be on that same respect is, and I've done this before back in the day when I used to compete, is just wait for the other guy to pull guard. <laughs> if if yeah. if, and I do, I still I do that today sometimes. Like, yeah, I'd rather be on top. After I know, after about a minute or so, this person will likely pull guard. And sometimes I've done that myself. Like, oh man, I could tell I'm not going to get this takedown. Let's get this going. I wanna I guess I'll work my guard. So just just by not pulling guard oftentimes earns you the top position. Yep. Or I don't know. The word earns there might be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Gets you the top position. <laughs> so check out that article. There's a link in the show notes. And uh and and then and then after you do that, go bounce around the website and really see some cool stuff that they've done.
2: Yeah, they have a whole bunch of awesome stuff and especially for, you know, people who like statistics and like I like how you were talking about Byron, uh, you can put it into your game if you're going to a tournament. Like, you know, I see this information, I better be ready for leg trips. I better be ready for single legs and know what to do even if you're not focusing on your takedowns, you know, offensively, you need to know what's going to come.
1: Guys, I want to give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters. Uh, some of our continuous supporters, Gerald, who was on the podcast fairly recently talking about his article he wrote for the Brick podcast, or BGDbrick, uh, .com. uh Stephen and Sarah. Uh, thank you guys for your continuous support. It means a lot. And, yeah, it, you could even write an article and send it in and we'll, we'll a lot of times publish it. <laughs> you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to do that, but uh, Gerald is, and he did. <laughs> so uh, he, he classifies as a super fan, and, he, and uh, we appreciate him. Out there and he's also a lot of times he talks a lot of trash on Gary yeah, and, and uh, I was gonna the say, behind
2: the <laughs> I don't know how much I appreciate
1: him. <laughs> oh Gary loves him uh, yeah so that thank you guys for supporting us on patreon uh, if if you are interested in doing that and helping the show grow um, or maybe just maintain sometimes I feel like uh, there'll be a link in the show notes on the add a five inch bJD brick gee patch. I'll put a sticker in the envelope as well. Mail it anywhere in the world. So you international listeners, if you help support us on Patreon, I'll mail you out a geek patch and a sticker, my friends. And you're also uh, welcome to join the private BJJ Brick Facebook group where you'll see Gerald talking some trash on Gary sometimes. And and all three of us at times, but (laughs)
2: luckily Gary gets the bulk of it. I think he focuses more.
1: Yeah, he focuses more to me. The bad thing is, Gary, easy target. You know, it's it's (laughs) fun to shoot at that easy target sometimes. What did you say something? <laughs> and he forgets about it too, which is okay. really nice. I'm excited for March 7th. Byron, what is March 7th? I'm going to 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 Joe's uh academy in Lake Jackson, uh Texas, south of Houston, and and we're doing kind of a camp. Uh my instructor Jake Fox is coming with, and he's going to show uh, basically do a leg drag seminar and I'm basically going to do a, uh, a back take slash attack seminar and uh, they should go well together. And so leg drags that he's going to be showing you good guard pass, basically any guard that you confront. That's what, that's why I really love leg drags. Uh, pick a guard and I like, I don't like drag it <laughs> or I have a way to try to like drag it depending on how how good they are. But Almost any guard is you, you. You could approach that from a leg drag point of view and and, and do that. So that's really nice to have. Kind of this multi tool to it to to guard passing. It's not. It doesn't just work on one type of guard. And and then with the leg drag, you get the person turning away from you. And if you're patient and you do it right, you don't just pass the guard. You get a back take out of that thing. And that is awesome. It takes, a, it takes a little bit of discipline, a little bit of patience, a little bit of timing. But to expose the back and to take the back off a leg drag, man, that just makes my day when when, when that happens. And it happens a lot with, with the leg drags because it's really that position it was designed for. Uh, so you're on the back, Jake teaches you how to get there. I'm gonna, so that's the first seminar, guard passing via leg drags. And, of course, Jake adds tons of pressure. From there, I'm going to teach... A back system and uh, and a couple other ways to take the back and maybe you know refresh some of the, the leg drag stuff he shows because it's very valuable and, uh, and and ways to control your opponent put them into a super vulnerable position where attacks are pretty easy and uh, and and that's that's what we're looking to do and and when I developed this seminar so this is a seminar I don't know there's two kinds of seminars I think of somebody comes to town and they just say, what do you guys want to learn? And they just teach whatever, or they just teach, you know, a few different moves or maybe 20 different moves or what, like it's something. This is something that I have, uh, practiced, uh, that, that that I've, uh, I've made a, like a outline for, made a curriculum, organized it in a way that I, that I hope is, is the best to learn it. Like it's, it's a design class. I've taught it at the last Beaches of brick camp. I've, I've taught it in small groups and in pieces to, to practice teaching it. And, uh, and I'm really happy with it. It's The the overall message that I give with this, and you don't have to go to the seminar to get this message, obviously, is that you should always be looking to get to a stronger position. And with jujitsu, I think a lot of times, and I know a lot of times for myself, I've just wanted to, to just look for that submission. And so like just, hey, I'm doing a triangle on Gary from my guard, right? I should be looking to, finish the triangle, of course, but if, if Gary lays down and I get top position on this, I should take that, improve my position. And if Gary's, uh, you know, trying to escape this thing, he actually gives me like a reverse triangle and I'm, I'm behind him in the triangle choke. Take that. So always improve your position and that will make the act of getting the submission easier. So on the back we're, you know, we're working on improving, you know, yeah, you have your hooks, you have your, you have your grips we're, we're going to work on improving that a few steps, getting a, a better back control, getting them more vulnerable before you, uh, you, you know, apply that submission. And it's, it's an, it's a fun way to grapple. It gives you a system to work within. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really like teaching it. I'm excited. Obviously I could, I could ramble about this for another hour, hour, but uh, I don't want to, I want to save some for the people in Lake Jackson or the nearby people. If you're in Houston, uh, check it out. There's a, a thing on the website you could already get your ticket and uh and we'll reserve your spot for you and we're gonna have half price acai there we're gonna have a barbecue that evening on the beach i think right joe
0: that's correct man we're looking forward to it looking forward to having you down here byron
1: yeah i'm looking forward to being down there i hear it's a little bit warmer (laughs) than when i got up here
0: (laughs) i'll bet you all didn't go out and skateboard and work in your garden for an hour before we started this did you
1: I, uh, I I before we start, this is Sunday morning. I did a three mile run with my wife in sweat How pants, warm was it? sweatpants, sweatpants, long sleeve t shirt, and stocking cap.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Well, at least you got out and got moving. I guess,
1: yeah. Otherwise, I just sit here and and, and I forget what I'm going to say. Right, Gary? What? <laughs> so check us out. That's March seventh in Lake Jackson. If you're in Houston, uh, definitely look into it. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the the flyer and the online sign up that we have as well. Oh, if you sign up online, I'll give you a free geek patch. How about that?
0: Yeah, uh, good one. Put your
1: name down. Try to we, we're gonna have a blast. That's the main thing. We're gonna have a good time, guys. I've had a blast recording with you. It's always fun to get. You know, it's a little bit hard sometimes. We record on Sunday mornings, getting up and and you know, getting getting ready a little extra early and all that stuff. But once we get the, the, the podcast up and going and hit the record button, we always have a blast. So I'm real grateful for you guys here this morning. And uh, till next week, stay sweaty, my friends.
2: And don't forget to practice your body fold takedowns.
0: Uh, train hard, train smart, uh, train from the rear. Um. <laughs> 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 we'll see you on the mats, guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu.
2: But, uh, you know, I hate to say it, and I'm not joking this time. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> hey, Gary! <laughs> <laughs>